same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same thank you vandello and welcome to the beginning of the sixth season no way we have been doing this for six seasons get out of here like what (laughs) 73 this is the 74th episode no way Uh, really yep we do 12 a season We've already done five seasons, so 60 oh, yeah, plus 60, bonus. Like 60 that, so we're done bonus. with You're this. Right. We yeah, get to 73. 73, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the end of this. We'll that was very poor math well explaining. Bad maths. Yes. Because Bad I was math doing 12 times He was math explaining poor. Yes, yeah, to the guy that took count two, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mansplaining. I'll tell you when I'm mansplaining. I said mathsplaining. <laughs> I'll add it up for you when I'm math. Jerk. And with me, you've already heard him, but it is uh, it is our black mask. Our, Ooh, I get to be black mask? That's awesome. Our, uh, That's probably the best compliment he's given to me over five seasons. Our twin eaten by the shark. <laughs> <laughs> it's bear. Thank you, thank you. Arguably the best intro you've given me. In its entirety. We can go back to season four. No, that's fine. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> we'll stick here. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this. And I have the pleasure of introducing our, our Osita. Yeah! <laughs> I would say our Waller, really. Oh, I was, I mean, until you, until you really get her mad and then she's thylacine. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it is the Baronessa, Ms. Jennifer Howland. Thank you, Bear. Um, it is my pleasure. And you know what I just realized? And this has happened to me, I think, three other times. I don't think I've ever heard your last name said out loud. Well, we joke that it rhymes with Lucifer. Oh, okay. So, so here we go. We have uh, Jenny Loopy Pulsifer joining us today. And we are super psyched because not only am I excited about the, today's uh, comic, and movie, both, I'm super excited to have Loopy on the show. Thank you. I didn't know I was going to be your season premiere. How exciting. Thank you, guys. Well, and uh, yes, you were going to be our season, uh, part of our season premiere last time, but that, that did not work out. <laughs> no. Uh, listen, because we had, there were issues. Yes, we were less than kind <laughs> they to were, They were mainly our issues, no yes, one else's issues. They were mainly our issues. Uh, well, there but, were some timey-wimey issues there. Actually, there well. were predominantly Josh's yeah. issues, but we're, we're going <laughs> to take the blame. We, we, as an entity, are going to take the blame. Loopy has known me for like 15 years now. She's well acquainted with my issues, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think I've written some <laughs> short stories featuring your issues, actually. So. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fantastic to have you on the show, Libby. We've, uh, you know, I've been discussing the show with you since we really kind of started, and I've always wanted to get you on. Uh, we seem to sneak Cat uh, Esman on for our DC episode since she's local, uh, but I'm glad that we could get you on for predominantly kind of one of the things that you're known for. Uh, in our circle of friends, and that is your your deep and and forever love of Miss Harley Quinn. Miss Harley Quinn, Harleen Quinzel, yes, my girl. She's yes. been my girl since the nineties, so I'm excited to be able to nerd out about her too. Yes, absolutely, and she is in the Suicide Squad, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And we're, uh, you know, uh, for those who are just tuning in for the first time, um, what what our goal is is 
to get you to uh, to to read a Suicide Squad comic. If you like the Suicide Squad, uh, you know we're we're here to tell you why going to the source material is awesome. And man, uh, Luby, I think you even said when we were discussing it that you hadn't read Bad Blood beforehand. Correct. And- yeah. And we hadn't either. And man, we picked a great comic. You really did. Like, I, I actually had to hold myself back from texting you late at night when I finished it a couple nights ago because I was like, oh my goodness, this is so good. Like, vastly yeah. seated my expectations. So, trust yeah. me, I was in the same way. I was just reading it last night and. I was drinking. It was a Friday, and I'm just like, you know, it's Friday off. I'm gonna have a few beers, and I'm like, you know, like close onto a twelve pack in, and I'm just like, this is really awesome. I should, I should really not pick up my phone right now because I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gonna hear about this. But yeah, uh, Suicide Squad. What we're doing is, uh, you can get in a collected called Bad Blood. It's all eleven issues of the run that they did. It started in 2019. It ended in 2021. There is a newer Suicide Squad that has just started, but it's not to the point of having a collective. So since we focus on graphic novels, that's what we're going with. Um, without giving too much away about the comics, since we want people to uh, to read it. Oh, you know what? Where Where is my mind? Luke, you've never been on our show. We have a tradition. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we do. Please tell us. us. Please, please give us give us your background on comic books. Where did um, you start? How yeah. did it get? How did you get into nerddom? <laughs> I I almost can't remember um, because I was a very very early reader. Um, I could actually start reading words when I was two. Um, and one of the ways my dad to encourage me to continue reading and to advance my reading ability was to take me to the comic book store. And we're talking like little, little loopy, like like four-year-old, five-year-old loopy going with my dad to the comic book store and picking stuff out and reading comics. Um, I very clearly remember a show and tell from second grade where everybody else was bringing in like dolls and cars and things. And I brought in a long box of comics. Nice. nice. And, and there were people who were like, you can't read these. You're too young. And I'm like, let's open one up and I'll tell you all about Superman or Spider-Man. Um, and it got to the point where I was so bored at that little like show and tell that I actually dumped the whole box out on the floor and sat on top of it like a little dragon. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like I said, so I, I can almost not remember a time when I wasn't into comic books, but I do have to give a special shout out to my brother who really helped me take it to the next level. Uh, my brother's four and a half years younger than I am. And when he could read, he started reading comics and we immediately diverged into a DC and a Marvel uh, rivalry. Right? We're talking like, I'm, I, like I'm 10 years old and this has started. So um, basically I have been defending my love of DC comics to my brother for like, I don't know, 35 years. Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> that, is, uh, that is also a theme uh, that we found with our guests. Kat Esman talked about it too, about yep. how it's uh, at the beginning of the Justice League episode about how it's it's difficult to be a DC fan uh, in, in the way that, that comic books and everything, it is, and, and she laid out the reasons that it is actually more difficult to be a DC fan than it typically is to be like a Marvel fan. Well, oh, can I, I, people, oh, go for it. Go. I, I was gonna, I was going to say, I, I think that it's an interesting point to make though, that, DC fans are defending themselves with 
other nerdy, like comic booky people, people who are aware of comic book characters, but not really as um, absorbed with them as, as, you know, comic book geeks are. They know the DC They characters. know the big three. If they know any comic books at all, right. before they know anything else, they know the big three. They know Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Right. Superman's and, the most widely recognized comic book character in the entire world. Yep. Um, his brand is the most valuable of any comic book brand. Um, and interestingly enough, you talk about the big three, but it's actually now the big four. Um, because Harley is considered number four in DC Comics right now. So this kind of ties back into stuff we're going to be talking about today. But I was just reading a news article last night talking about how Harley consistently outsells everybody else except the big three, even the Joker. She outsells the Joker. When they they feature the Joker, it doesn't matter. Harley's comics still sell better, which I thought was super interesting. Well, do you think that that might be because she's probably of those characters that you just mentioned, the most approachable? Uh... I would not actually say that Harley is the most approachable. I, actually I, I was going to say, I totally agree with Loopy. I don't <laughs> think she's approachable at all. Well, no, uh, I mean, she is, she is not super powered. She's not, she's not a God. She is a person, kind of a well, messed up person. I would but... love, I would love to talk about that for a second because I still think she's the more relatable character on a lot of levels. Um, I come from the Superman Clark Kent first school of approach of Superman and very much like, like when you look at the things that those heroes struggle with in their personal lives, right? Superman's challenges involve things like, how do I help my aging parents, you know, or how do I help get my kids through high school without having a meltdown? His problems are actually very much everyday person problems. And the fact that he has powers just puts him in a tighter spot, but he still has those same approaches, challenges, difficulties, loves and losses like everybody else. And I really think people do a big disservice to Superman when they just talk about him being able to crush rocks into diamonds because that's like the least of what's about him. But 100%. No, no, (laughs) huge, huge shout out to the current uh, Superman and Lois show on CW because it is... Superman, but it's it's mostly Clark Kent as a father of two teenage boys, one of which that got powers, the other which did not, and the family dynamic of how he works with that because the kids didn't know he was Superman before the first episode, before like so they're teenagers and they find out their dad is Superman, and it is it is very well done. It does have a bit of that CW drama, but not. Not the things, Jen, that, that you've discussed yeah. where it's like, why is everybody just lying to each other and keeping secrets and all the stuff that's just going to be revealed by the end of the episode? It's a very honest family dynamic. It's really good. Um, so maybe, maybe, I, maybe I stated that wrong. No, <laughs> I know I stated that wrong. So I feel, and this is my personal opinion, that Harley is more interesting. Maybe not approachable, but more interesting I'll give you that. than superman wonder woman whatever the uh, batman. batman yeah i was like the other dude whatever his <laughs> Listen, name is as, yeah. as, as a guy that really like the only comic book experience personally that i had coming into any of this stuff was uh some hulk uh a lot of transformers like old school transformers 
um, and some old school, like I, I walked in like as Superman died and went back, read some, read some of the old school Superman stuff before that little bit that my old man had, and then like read the death of, and I was just like, this is super interesting. Went back, read the old school stuff, not so much. <clears throat> but I agree with Loopy, Superman is the most approachable. He's, you know, he is down home. He is, he is, especially for me, because Midwestern that's, that's farm exactly boy. what yeah. happened. Yeah. I grew yep. up Midwestern farm boy. So it's just like, okay, I, I understand this. This makes sense. And then you compare, you know, the way that Superman grew up to Midwestern farm boys now, and you realize that that's not how politics worked out anymore. But yeah. anyways, we're going to just move on, you know, <laughs> skitter on right past on. that about how Superman's actually cool and Midwest farm boys aren't. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, but you take a look at it, it's like Batman, totally unapproachable. He is just a, a traumatized, uh, one white privileged one percenter. Like super traumatized, but then decided to kind of put his money towards a good use. Wonder Woman is a goddess. Yep. Can't can't work with that. Yes, Harley Harleen would would be the next best because you have someone that actually worked her way towards a PhD, had some mental issues, probably the most relatable, if not the most approachable. Well, so one of the things that keeps me coming back to Harley in all of her incarnations, for me, the sort of everyday fantasy of one of these days I'm just going to say screw it to my work my history and everything else and I'm going to take out a baseball bat and hit somebody upside the head with it there's sort of like this vicarious living fantasy through Harley that right. you, can, you can do <laughs> if I made you a big ass mallet would yeah. you take that to your bosses <laughs> <laughs> and then go and Go and go and join roller derby. I have several right? years of I have several years of carpentry experience. If you want a big ass mallet, I can make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to walk away from their their challenging day job where you're faced with you know misogyny and and paperwork and tedium, and then you know just throw on some spandex and and uh, do whatever you want. Make jokes and. <laughs> And make fun of Batman because oh my god, this comic book did so much. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, let's let's bring it back to the comic. So, uh, Loopy, you had mentioned uh, that you had not read it before. None of us had read it before. As a as a Harley and a Suicide Squad aficionado, what did you think? Loved, loved, loved this this story here in Suicide Squad. Um, I don't want to give away anything, but as you mentioned, like. There's there's not just a twist, there's a double twist. Yeah. Um, so the plot builds on itself and it gets very, very interesting. Um, I also love how they kind of hand the baton over to some really interesting new characters while still at least giving you cameos of all the characters you're expecting to see and love from the movies. So yeah, really cool. Um, Harley can sometimes overshadow things a bit, but I feel like they reined her in at, and they used her as comic relief, but not too much. She wasn't gimmicky, right? Yeah. Um, almost more like Harley's the voice of the audience in that way. And yes. actually, one of the one of the best representations I thought of Harley ever, because you actually get to see her stop, be both vicious and super intelligent in one scene, which you don't even see. You don't see in any of the movies. I haven't really read any of the rest of the Suicide Squad stuff or Harley stuff, but... Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
yes, I got all the information I needed because I have a PhD in this shit. Yeah. And because I don't give a fuck and I'm going to tie you up and ether you to do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, um, you know, that's, that's another thing with Harley is, and I have been a little worried about this trend with Harley is I've been worried that they take her edge off too much. Because um, I think it's always important to keep in mind that Harley was a villain before she became an anti-hero. You know, her list of crimes is considerable, including mass murder, terrorism, rape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that she's really quite dangerous. And a lot of people can forget that Harley is dangerous, but they emphasize that in this comic and they emphasized it in the movie, which let me tell you had me like squirming around in my seat because I wanted to jump out of my chair. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. The movie's coming. The movie, yeah. I was so excited. This was so good. It was so good. It was so, it was exactly what this franchise needed. That movie was perfection. It was perfection. We'll get there. So, uh, so speaking of which, Jen, yeah. what did you think of the comic? I loved the comic. I absolutely loved it. And in fact, when I finished the, uh, <laughs> the finished, I was like, that, I, that's not an ending. I need more. So <laughs> getting, you know, skipping ahead to the end, I, I will read more of this. Absolutely. Okay. I like the, the, um, new suicide squad that's been assembled here. I also kind of like the um, uh, the the balance shift in the balance of power that comes in this run. Mm. Um, you know, not to give too much away, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. I also really appreciated and could tell that it was written recently because we had an envy. <sighs> we had people um, being. Uh, respectful of each other there were characters that were we had a beautiful little non-binary couple right that's what i said yeah sorry um, i missed that I yeah was, envy i was, I was um, in the middle of uh but we had you uh, know looking we, up other th uh, things that i needed to remember i apologize we had you know people who were not their their character and their position in the team was not based on gender but ability and intelligence yeah and that pay, that that plays a huge kind of role. Um, you take a good look at the revolutionaries. I think there was what one white person yeah. in the whole group, and that was Wink. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, to to jump in, I I love this. I I'm glad that I got the hardcover of it because it's definitely something that belongs and will stay on our shelf. Um, but. The one thing I wanted to bring attention to that you kind of touched on, but, um, and it's not much of a spoiler because it's like right in the beginning, but some the, there are a number of characters that are introduced in this book. And one of them is Deadly Six. And I loved Deadly Six because he has the power of, uh, he can amplify sins in people. Mm -hmm. And Harley is the one that goes, yeah, but there are seven, seven deadly, deadly sins, and he responds with, <laughs> weaponizing amazing. lust would be icky. Yep. <laughs> yep. It 
was so refreshing. It was they so avoided amazing. the whole thing. They were just like, listen, no, yeah, we're gross. just not gonna. Yeah. Like, I have, I have fucking morals. Not right. even <laughs> ten years ago, that would have been like the first go-to sin that right. would have been used in a comic book. Right? No, just so well done. I mean, let's go. Let's go back to uh, uh, what was the gunslinger sci-fi thing that we just did. I can't Winona remember. Earp. Winona Earp. Yeah, the comic book for that. Yeah. Oh, we were God. talking about weaponizing yeah. lust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was what, 20, 90, uh, 20 years ago? Yeah. 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 That was the entire comic. Yeah, right. It was weaponizing <laughs> was lust. Weaponizing yes. lust. Yes. Yeah, and so um, just, a, just a high recommend uh, because you're seeing um, kind of when people say, oh, well, you can't take the sex out of these things, you can't. Yeah, you can. I mean, crank, <laughs> you crank up the violence a little bit, but, uh, I mean, it can be done and it can be done. Do you well. really think the violence was cranked up? Uh, I mean, comparatively, no. To other, like, Suicide Squad comics, no. No. I, I also liked that, and this is not a spoiler, but there was a headshot that was covered with the DC I know exactly what you're I was like, yeah, it was so yeah. good. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I like it. There were some very, and I, I pointed this out earlier when we were just having the conversation about it, is, and I wanted to say this word just for wheeze, there were some very Hitchcockian moments. Mm. <laughs> um, very, very much like, you don't have to see actually what happened in the panel. Right. They literally don't show you the person that died. Mm-hmm. They just let your brain go. And my brain did immediately. And I, I immediately recognized that as, listen, they could have showed us all the gore. That's not unlike comics to do that. But they didn't. And that was a very Hitchcock moment of, mm-hmm. listen, they're, they're, literally this guy's brains could have been all over everything. But we chose not to. Right. And it made it that much better. Well, even when you compared it, because like when we were getting ready for this episode, uh, Josh and I were talking about this compared to Suicide Squad kicking. And I flat out said I wouldn't recommend that one because they deal with sexual topics so badly. Yeah. And in kicked in the teeth. And that's really kind of like when you talk about graphic novels about the Suicide Squad, it's basically the one right before this one, essentially. Um, Yeah. And, no, it was the beginning of the yeah. New 52, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not that old. And I mean, I, I there's a lot I like in Kicked in the Teeth, but they just dealt with that one topic so badly that I just, I wouldn't recommend it to someone unless I really, really knew their taste. Right. So. Absolutely. No, I agree. Um, it uh, it actually reminds me of bringing around to uh, nerdiness and, and other topics. There's a, a, one of my favorite role-playing games is called Little Fears. And it's mm. about like you're a child. And you have innocence and stuff, but one of the things is the uh, in closet land, which is where all the bad things come from. There are seven kings, each representing a sin, and there are very large warnings that uh, previous guest of the show, Jason L. Blair, uh, who wrote it, put in there to say the Defiler is the king of lust. If you are going to do a lust campaign, you better know every single person sitting at your table. You know, and and what their limits are. You're going to need to have talks with them ahead of time. Uh, this is not something that you just like introduce into a game. You know, without without serious to- you know consent. Um, and it seems like that's the difference between kicked in the teeth and bad blood. Bad blood yeah. is one of those. You know, we're going to bring you to a certain level, and then either it fades to black in a way that you're like you fill very Hitchcocky and you fill yeah. it in yourself. 
old or universal we're, monster. Or we're going to comic book the shit out of it, Howard right. the Duck style, and put a DC logo over the top of it. Mm. Right, right. We're just gonna, you know, keep it. Keep I it. say Howard the Duck style, even though that's a Marvel. Yeah, Marvel <laughs> franchise. So good. Uh, Deadpool styles. There you go. That's too, yeah. you know, which is another Marvel, but. Um, this is also where I have uh, that I have to make a note that uh, I, I lied to you, Jen. Um, I said That's not the first time. Well, I said that I chose this because I wanted to make sure that we got something that had King Shark in it. And um, as I found out, not knowing that I had lied to you when I researched, the shark is not, not King, King Shark. shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say that, but yeah. No, I, there I is don't. a total. Of seven people in the DC universe that use shark in their title or are sharks, three of them are actually sharks. There's King Shark, The Shark, and Guppy. Guppy. Yes. Sentient sharks are apparently a thing in a DC. Thing. A thing. Yeah. That well, said, that said, I still think the shark scratches that itch. Right. right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> still you a giant shark. Yeah. Still eats people. Cool. Right. Well, the, my I and I have to come clean. My love of King Shark comes from the animated, the most recent animated it comes from Ron Harley Funches is where it comes Ron from. Funches as King Shark. So good. As, so Listen, good. Sly did a hell of a job. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock Sly. Oh no, he was fine. But Ron Funches as King Shark, like the website building computer IT geek King Shark. Oh my god, yes! That's who I want. <laughs> but like like what kind of a world do we live in where I can we can sit down and debate the merits of the different on-screen treatments of King Shark? It's great. <laughs> it's, it is a brilliant and wonderful yep. world and no one should ever disparage it. <laughs> like yeah. there are multiple live action versions of King Shark. He was on the Flash show. Yes, he was. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Literally a dude. That turned himself into a shark. Oh, I saw that. That was not good. <laughs> yeah, The Flash is not a good show, but I, we'll get to that eventually, I'm I sure. Like the Flash. Yeah, respectfully, I respectfully disagree. I also enjoy The Flash. I, I did enjoy it for like the first mm, two-ish seasons. And then after that, I was just done. Eh. Like it, it just went sideways. Well, my feeling is it's it's not it's not for me. It was not made for me. It is yeah. not for me. Yeah, I have a higher tolerance of CW in general. But it's not. Listen, it's your favorite show ever is Dawson's Creek, it's so we get it. Favorite show ever, but I do like Dawson's Creek. <laughs> West Wing's my favorite show ever. No. Anyway, uh, so before we get into the movie, because this will tie in, um, I want to. Since we I also kind of did this a little bit backwards, because normally we start with the the video representation and then go into the comic book. But the comic book was just so damn good this time. Which which so is also why I, I forgive you for Thank lying you. to me. The shark. <laughs> um, I saw a shark. On, there, there was There's a shark. a shark on the cover. It's shark. He judged the book by its cover. I judged a shark by its cover. If you're going to judge this book by the cover, you need to pay attention to this little character right here. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It's a little animal wearing a cape. The dog? Yes. <laughs> yes, dog shot. Yes, dog, dog shot. shot. Yeah. Uh. Which, and, and if you notice, dog shot and the shark on this cover are about the same size. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk about 
Squad Harley versus Independent Harley because before I we talk about the Suicide Squad, right? I want to talk uh, or revisit a little bit Birds of Prey mm. because sorry, this seems to like we're going to have an actual just Harley, just Harley movie, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we never seem to quite get one of those. Well, but so this is the Harley trilogy, right? So you yeah, start with 100%. Suicide Squad, you go to Birds of Prey, then you go to the Suicide Squad. And you get to see there is a difference between independent, like on her own Harley, even with Birds of Prey, she's more yeah. on her own working with other people. Right. And Suicide Squad Harley. Right. Um, you know, as 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 a member of a team. Um, and I almost think uh that my favorite incarnation of the three, even though I loved the Suicide Squad. Is Birds of Prey Harley. Oh, absolutely. I would agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think she was more independent. She was, and they actually even stepped her back a little bit at the beginning of The Suicide Squad. I didn't feel that the lessons she learned through Birds of Prey were reflected in that Harley, with the exception of the red flag conversation. <laughs> right. But I wanted to explore that. What do you guys think? Uh, is this I, the same so character? Yes, 100% the same character. And I was thinking about this because I actually watched all three movies getting ready for your podcast. So I have I have, I have this all very fresh in my in my head. I particularly watched Suicide Squad, Harley, recently and really reevaluated her in, in light of that movie. Uh, I came up with a really interesting observation about the Joker in that movie that we can kind of sidebar unless we want to talk about it. But um I'm always down to talk about the Leto. Yeah. yeah. Well, well talk okay. Well, okay, then I think I can do this quickly. So what was very interesting to me, you know, everybody I think kind of agrees that that Joker was a failure um, because he he wasn't, you know, his character design, his portrayal were weak. I, but what I, I honestly, thought, I, I what, agree with you. I'm going to step on you a second. I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that was as much Jared Leto's uh, portrayal as it was his script. Now, his portrayal or wasn't great. Direction or direction. Yeah, yeah. but his yeah. script and direction were, were piss poor. I will say I, that's one of the few parts of um, of the Snyder cut that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Leto part of the Snyder cut. Mm -hmm. He was so much scarier. It. He was so much scarier yes. in Justice League. Yes. But, so talking about directorial choices with the Joker... Um, I, first of all, I think they just told David Ayer to lean into his wheelhouse, you know, and Southern California gangsters and just go with it. But, but also <laughs> one of the things I really noticed is that the way they wrote the Joker, and I think this is actually a brilliant choice that was undermined because of the other problems with the Joker. But I noticed that in absolutely every way, the Joker was subservient to Harley. Um, his story, he had no motivation at all other than Harley. Um, in every scene he's in, you know, Harley's story is paramount. And it was like they deliberately underplayed the Joker because this character, when you talk about scene stealing, you know, movie stealing characters, the Joker is way high on the list. He can sure, easily, right. he can easily just dominate absolutely everything that he is in. But in this case, it almost felt like they softened him deliberately to let Harley shine. And I respect, I, I respect that choice a lot. I do, I, but I think they went a little far. 
Like, I think they did both of the characters a disservice in in doing so. But I do find it interesting that you pointed that out, uh, Loopy, because you kind of just said the same thing about Harley in the instance in the comic, right? Because mm-hmm. Harley is definitely a character that when she is on panel, when she is on screen, all focus goes to her. Only one-upped, I would say, by either Joker or, like, Batman. Yeah. No? Uh, because she is a character that demands so much attention, um, she had she kind of stylistically grew up in that environment. Because you talk about going all the way back to the Batman animated series. It's why she's a beloved character. It's why people remembered who she was and why nobody remembers who, like, oh, was his name Punch? Was that Punchline. The- yeah, Punchline. The, you know, the old Joker sidekick. Right. <laughs> Punchline is the new one. Um, Prank is the sidekick of the trickster from the old Flash TV show where Mark Hamill was playing the trickster. Um, uh, and, oh, right. Yep. And Prank is the trickster's sidekick who's 100% a precursor to Harley Quinn. If you... If you look at anything involving her, you might even remember Prank's appearance on the, the CW Flash. Yeah. Um, she's 100% a Harley Quinn yeah, precursor. Okay. Very, nerd, very nerd cool. Nerd done. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> Don't be done. Nerd more. Uh, we love having experts on. Yes. But that brings us into the conversation of The Suicide Squad. And I... The reason that I framed it the way that I did and I made sure that I remembered to do it is because I don't want this to be a, a, a comparison of Suicide Squad versus The Suicide Squad. Because I, I, first of all, I think that's unfair. Yeah. Um, I think it was different directors, it was different times, and it's the difference between uh, starting something out and course correcting. Yeah. Um, I thought, I think that there is also the fact that they did very much stick in the same world, kept a lot of the same cast. Sure. Um, very specifically, um, this is one that I didn't even realize until I actually had to go back and do the research, and I was just like, well, wait, what? So we've got, uh, in the first movie, we've got Joel Kinnaman, who wandered around, and everybody goes, wait a minute, who is this guy? And then we see him again. The next time we see him is Altered Carbon, season one. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, oh, he's Colonel Rick Flagg. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. But we didn't think about that because, well, the first... Suicide Squad yeah. movie was not that great. And then we come back and they brought him back. Yes, well, did we kill him? He has, he, probably, yes. he has probably the most character development from the previous movie to the next. Agreed. Like, you 100% get the feeling, like, like that in Suicide Squad, Rick Flagg is very, like, uncertain about what he's doing. He's uncomfortable with the methods, you know, he... Um, he doesn't know how to work with the villains he's working with. And when you see him in the Suicide Squad, you get the sense they've done like a hundred missions. Right. right? Which like, yeah. like, also, <laughs> but we also end yeah. up with him like, you know, here we've, we've completed what we needed to do. And then we show up and it's like, wait, how did I, how did my people not let you know, not let me know that you were here. And he's just like, you just see the look on his face right there. It's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, he knew instantly. Yeah. As soon as they walk in. Yeah. And I mean, the the thing that I find interesting with uh, Suicide Squad looking back on it now is how much character development was going on while everyone was staring at Harley. Because Margot <laughs> Robbie 
Harley was still a very, very new thing. And so that while that was a spotlight on her, people are improving in the background. Like right. Diablo was an amazing character yeah. in the first one. That yeah. character is so, so cool. And honestly, I I kind of wish that he wasn't one of the teeny tiny one, you know, the tiny selection of characters to die in that movie. Because like, the, even if you read about Diablo in the comic books, like his guilt over what he's done and his like attempt to redeem himself is a really interesting story. Um, but I still, I thought they did him justice you know, other than killing him off, I think I think they did a great job with. It. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that one, and I also thought that um, Michael Rooker as Savant, like both of these movies, like what you were just talking about, and and then Michael Rooker as Savant it was was another character that made me go, I might need to go back and find other Savant. comic books about these characters. But and this is a great this is a great franchise just to do that with. Like if you're even if you're not like if you're somebody like me that didn't grow up with a ton of comics and you're trying to figure out more about what's going on in you know this particular verse, this is a great this is a great franchise to do it with because now I want to go look up more stuff on Savant. Well, and yeah. I think I think what's super interesting is this concept of a Suicide Squad where you're taking villains who have been captured and are serving time and you are physically forcing them to become anti-hero you know they're you basically are, are are forcing them to do heroic things not in a very heroic way mm -hmm. and the and it, it and it, it kind of is covered in in the run the comic run that we read mm -hmm. what it does to each character like how it affects them and and you know psychologically morally it's a really interesting conversation and thought experiment suicide squad also opens the door when you were talking there about getting to know characters that you didn't know or whatever this gives a chance for your your bcd level you know villains and heroes in some cases uh i know that there have been some heroes that have been forced into the suicide squad come on z-list i mean you are, you can you can joke that suicide squad is kind of the garbage disposal of the dcu right like that's where z-list characters go to die i mean but like like polka dot man Zebra Man. <laughs> we got a live action Polka Dot Man, and I don't even know who the fuck Polka Dot Man is, but I kind of want to go like look up some comics for Polka Dot Man now. Right. He, okay, so he's way, way less interesting in the comics, and you have to go really far back. Yeah, you got to go. But he's, this is this is a perfect dog. one for our franchise because <laughs> look at what everything that this introduces people to. Like oh. our first. Um, our first bonus episode where we had Vandello on and yep. we built our treat right? They used arm fall off. They boy. used TDK, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that very specifically. I was just yeah. like, who the hell is he was their drummer? Is, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> how awesome is it to have, you know, drummer that can, you know, play the drums and not actually be sitting by the drums. Right. <laughs> um, but this is also where I will give DC credit where I feel marvel lacks and that is on average dc reboots their entire universe every like six to eight years 
Um, so, but they just keep pulling all these people back. All right, of right. These so, back so they, they reboot the universe and then dead people come back or, or their, their origins are changed. And that annoys some people. I find that great. I, I mean, because we get a new iteration, we get something, get, a completely different twist every time they you come get out. get people back that, I mean, like, look at, look at what happens in, uh, you know, the comic that we read, but I, I will put, frame it into the light of like the Suicide Squad where, an entire team dies in right? the first like 15 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, um, which, you know, we knew was going to happen. Um, it's very much like, like when I was talking earlier about when we had the conversation about, have you watched the new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? You should yep. watch it. Why? Because He-Man dies in the first episode. <laughs> like, watch this shit. Like, this, these are great. Right. And, and like when uh, when Warren Ellis did G.I. Joe Resolute, and he killed G.I. Joe's, like, pretty consistently through the entirety of the, of the yeah. run that he did. But, yeah, that, but that's the thing is, like, you have seen these characters die. You go back, you're a little more interested in them. Also, by rebooting every six to eight years, DC says, hey, people who have not read these universes, here's your jump on. Plus, we're getting, you know, new generations interested in, right. you know, the, the the reboots. Right. And, I mean, some, have been, more su- some have been more successful than others. Um, but, I mean, at least they're giving it the try of trying to, to explore different worlds. Um, also, DC, more else worlds than than I ever run into. I, and I've said before, and now it's going to have a uh, animated movie so uh it's coming but injustice is probably one of my favorite dc properties um another yeah, have you seen the trailer have you seen the i have for the I injustice have, movie yeah I, uh, i'm time. very very excited uh and i can only hope um that it spins off into something longer and larger like like a, a tv series because injustice can easily be a tv series but then we can explore probably one of my favorite dynamics um that is only really explored in that and that is Harley Quinn and uh, Green Arrow. And so good. It's so their good. Their interactions are yeah. so good. Like at one point he takes her down and he's like, yes, this is the Arrow Cave. She's like, the Arrow Cave? You're not going to call it the Quiver? And he's like, <laughs> oh shit, that's so much better. <laughs> and then like, it's a running gag where he's like, I'm actually thinking about calling it the Quiver instead, like in front of Harley. And people will be like, that is so much better. She's like, I know, right? <laughs> But yeah, it's uh. So we I mean, start and, out, and even even so much more for the sexual innuendo. But yeah, on top of that, um, and that was what part of the writing that I actually enjoyed about what we read is that Harley was just boom, yeah, boom, 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 like giving those. It's giving not those just that, yeah, out. but it's also an in and out. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. a in to do this like monologue. It's a one liner, and I'm out. Nope. Oh shit! They just Batman me. Yeah. <laughs> And the one time she did it, like, Batman was actually there. It's like, they both batman me. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, but we were talking about uh, the first Suicide Squad movie. Um, So, those characters, I mean, an introduction. It was good. You can, however, tell pretty easily that in the Suicide Squad, uh, Bloodshot was supposed to be Deadpool. Will Will Smith just was not coming back. They don't they don't even mess around with it in interviews. They'll flat out tell you that yeah, that part was written for Deadshot. We just had scheduling differences with Will Smith. He even they even he was gonna be in the movie and then they just couldn't work out the schedule. 
I was so, about to say he was also going to have his own his own Deadshot movie. But you know, we got Idris Elba, who I did not know could do comedy that well. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> well, I I recommend you watch Luther. Luther's I have good. Seen all of yeah. Luther. Oh it my is god! Quite good, but yes, so good. Hobbs and Shaw is the other one that I would yeah, recommend. Yeah, that's true. If you want to see some yeah, fun, Black Superman. Black yeah. Superman. <laughs> I am Black Superman. Uh, which is just Black Adam. But, <laughs> well, that's more Egyptian I, Superman. I mean, personally, I think Idris Elba should be the next James Bond, but I agree. That's just agree. me. But it's yeah, not so, just you. It's not just me. It is everyone else. Idris Elba for James Bond. We're going to start a movement. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag so, Idris Elba for James Bond. Yeah. Even though you can tell that that Bloodsport was supposed to be Deadshot, right? I will say that once they made the change, you know, they leaned into it in the right way. Like, um, there isn't a lot to know about Bloodsport except for his altercation Superman. But, you know, they leaned right. into that. Um, I just wish that they had not used a daughter figure and instead had used um, Bloodsport's brother because I find that's a, a, a much more um, unique take on that kind of family dynamic that motivates you. And I think they could have used his brother instead of his daughter without without really changing what they were doing to the movie. Sure. No, no reason to double up and make people think that you're just trying to have a, you know, a dead shot ripoff. Right. Yeah, and, and if you don't know, um, a big part of Bloodsport's motivation is the fact that um, Bloodsport was supposed to go into the army um, and instead he was a draft dodger from the Vietnam War, actually. And uh, his brother pretended to be him and took his place and came back from the war terribly disabled. Um oh. And I think it would have been an interesting way to bring a disabled person into the story in a way where, you know, um, where you don't necessarily need to feature a female character as the male character's motivation. Um, and I think that that dynamic between siblings is something that doesn't come up enough in comic book stories, so. I agree, I completely agree. Um, but leading into uh, into the whole uh, blood sport dynamic, um, then we can talk about John Cena's Peacemaker. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. So good. <laughs> I don't care how many more movies I have to watch, even in my lifetime. If one out of ten of them has John Cena in it at this point, I'm happy with that. You get a oh. whole Peacemaker series. They're doing a whole yeah. team. Yeah. They are. Yep. Uh, which is one of the reasons for that deleted scene where, where Peacemaker's still alive. Sure. Um, but I, well, it's I the, mean... it's the credit scene. Yes. Yeah. I've been a fan of uh, of John Cena. I mean, I'm a wrestling fan, so uh, he has a way of delivering lines or doing things, making himself goofy. He is not afraid. Like this is the man that, yeah, in a wrestling Zero promotion, fear. The Rock called him Fruity Pebbles. He leaned into it so much they put him on the box of Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he is his he he has really great timing. He can dead sell so much. Oh god. Yeah, he so just good. walks yeah. straight into a line <laughs> face first and does not care. For anyone who uh who wants to see a great comedic performance from John Cena in a movie that that was not seen by a lot of people, there's a movie called Sisters that's oh my uh, god. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler as sisters 
but he plays a drug dealer that shows up at this party. So amazing. And he has like face tattoos. He has a four minute monologue where he is just pulling baggies out of a bag and naming like these drugs. But (laughs) at one point you can tell he's just making them He's just riffing. He's just riffing and it's hysterical. It is so good because he keeps stoic through the whole thing. Oh, he's so funny. My oh, safe word is keep going. My so, safe like, <laughs> I am not a fan of dump dunk comedy, right? Like, like right. I really don't like really overt comedy, like laugh track comedy. And the comedy in the Suicide Squad was exactly to my taste, where they're just like delivering like with complete seriousness and gravitas, except the is ridiculous. <laughs> right? Brand? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we we watched it when it when it came out, uh, the three of us uh, together, and I mean, we got done with it and we're just staring at the screen. I think, I think that the, was actually when I watched it with you guys. I think it was the second the second time, time, time for you for yeah. me because I watched it with Cat and Troy at first, yeah. and I was dying. I think when when we got done with it, I was just kind of staring at the screen for a bit, and I was like, I think this might be my favorite DC movie. I mean, it's it, just, it, it really is. It, it used to be Aquaman. Now it's this. For me, it was like, Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey is fantastic, yeah. and Harley is my girl, but you also have to give it up for Shazam, because that movie... Oh, Shazam. Shazam was a Shazam. lot of fun. Yeah. It, it, uh, I mean, there are a lot of things for DC on I think I just liked Aquaman, though, just for the soundtrack. Like, the soundtrack was... Whoever, whoever put that together for Aquaman, it was perfect. It so, made... Like, it made up for uh, uh, what's his name, Willem Dafoe phoning it in. It made up for bad script. It made up for a lot of that soundtrack. Made up for a lot. Aquaman was definitely the sort of movie where they're like, "Man, they're letting us make an Aquaman movie." Well, they're definitely never going to let us make an Aquaman movie no, ever again. Not so going to get a second one. Might as well fucking rock it. Exactly. So they're like, so let's just put everything in this movie. Like, kind of, I. I heard your episode on Green Lantern and talking about how they put all the Green Lantern stuff in the Green Lantern movie. They yeah. did the same thing with Aquaman, just much yeah. more successfully. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think, actually, I, th- I thought I saw something. I was flipping through, like, Google, like, headlines and stuff like that the other day, and I think they're making a second they Aquaman. Are. They are. They, are. They, were, they were deciding whether or not to fire Amber Heard for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Aquaman greatly exceeded everybody's expectations, including mine. So... I mean, the second that I saw an H.P. Lovecraft book on the coffee table in the opening sequence, I was just like, I'm in. Uh, Let's do this shit. They're going to help. I'm I'm in. We're going to have something good. It might not be a good ride getting there because H.P. Lovecraft was a terrible person, but I'm down for the stories. Let's do this. Hashtag H.P. Lovecraft's cat. Right? (laughs) Wow. This is the... Third? Third show. Third show. We've talked about H.P. Lovecraft's cat. <laughs> For those of you keeping track at home. <laughs> and yet, no Dune reference. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think I almost, like, choked on air. <laughs> I mean, he started it. It's his fault. Right there. Jason Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor, fuck your fucking voice guns. Okay. Anyways, there we go. So, I'm, like, right. I'm an easy sell. 
I'm an easy yeah. sell when it comes to kind of everything, but deep, especially like if you give me one scene that takes me back to being that five-year-old girl in the comic book store, I will immediately like see the movie as a glass half full kind of thing. Like I will see the flaws, but I'll be like, but Wonder Woman went over the top, you know, and everything else doesn't matter because Wonder Woman went over the top in, in, in that. And, um, right. And so like, like I said, I'm an easy sell. I was like, I will pay $15 to see shirtless to Momoa. Like I, right. I will pay this and I will be happy. I spent two hours and $15 to see, but Aquaman just exceeded my every expectation. Like, I won't tell you it's the best movie, but still, I was pleasantly surprised. I saw it in the theater and I was not like I have I have a I have a system of ratings for movies that usually involves like <laughs> things like, you know, like if it's bad, like watch it on Netflix. That's like low stars, like as opposed to like high stars, which is like go watch it in the theater twice. And Aquaman caught me right in the middle at, you know, was not ashamed to have spent movie theater money on this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually really thought all the designs in that movie were actually really good. Everything they did with Atlantis was great. You know, like I said, who knew? I live in a world where I get an Aquaman movie that they actually spent big budget money on. Sweet. <laughs> and, it's, and it's the same world where you have your choice of King Shark portrayals. <laughs> uh, cinematography was good. Like plotline wasn't bad. Well, let's let's like, pull that all back to the Suicide Squad and wait for our Aquaman episode. Uh, yeah, we got an Aquaman <laughs> episode. Somebody out there want to do Aquaman with us? We're taking. I was gonna quests. say I am yeah. not an expert on Aquaman, but I don't think anybody is. So <laughs> right, <laughs> if there is someone out there that has a passion for Aquaman, I want to hear about that. It's kind of like uh, when we were doing the rec conversations on the Second Civil War. Uh, comic line uh there is like it heavily involves the inhumans and i made some disparaging remark about the inhumans and leia was like oh you probably should do that i was like yeah i don't want to offend the three inhumans fans (laughs) (laughs) somewhere out there somewhere listening to us is an aquaman fan that is all about that he's gonna come he or she or they are gonna come to us and they're gonna be like and they're gonna say her don't Here's, here's our segue back to the Suicide Squad, right? Also, like... Thank you for I, bringing us back, because we I, needed that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know a single comic book. And, like, I've been into comics for, you know, quite a lot of years. And I don't know a single person who could get through the character lineup of, you know, any of these comics, any of these movies without going, who? For at least a right. couple of the characters, right? right. Like... And, but it gives them this wonderful sort of freedom yeah. to to sort of make them their own. And this is kind of where I want to talk about Polka Dot Man a little bit because, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, Polka Dot Man is ridiculous, should be ridiculous. But, like, his history in the comic books was sort of like an evil engineer, right? And all of his Polka Dot stuff is, like, science, right? Um, but who cares if you completely reboot the origin of Polka dot right, and, <laughs> and, and give him the ability to weaponize mommy issues. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and the fact that they they took this movie and they're like, we are gonna reboot Polka Dot Man. We are gonna own it. We are gonna make you love him. I was like, yes. yes uh, listen, if if I could just 
visualize my mother being every evil person in front of me and then blast polka dots at them to blow them up, I'd do it too. <laughs> well, and they did the same thing with Ratcatcher, actually. Like, yeah. like Ratcatcher yeah. in the Ratcatcher in comics is a hundred percent nothing like even Taika Watiti's, you know, little, right. and, little and, and they bounce straight over Ratcatcher One. They're like, now, now, this is a Suicide Squad movie. We can have just a person with the number two after them that is yeah. never like the original incarnation has never shown up before. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you, I mean, like nobody, nobody can can just tell you off the cuff. It's like, oh yeah, Ratcatcher is like my favorite Arkham villain. <laughs> you know, I've been following Ratcatcher since whenever he came out, nineteen eighty seven, and yeah, yeah. You can just take all these characters, own them, run with them, make us love them. Um, I actually have a whole set of the Suicide Squad action figures that Target put out for this movie, mostly because they had to build a King Shark and we couldn't really. <gasps> what? Like, oh! like, like, can't wow. the build a King Shark. But I was like, That's going mad. in the case, baby. That's going straight <laughs> in your case. We got to find it first. Yeah. We but, know exactly what's going on after this recording is done. <laughs> Every target. Right? Every target. But instead of including Ratcatcher 2, they included Peacemaker instead. And I was super bummed. Like, my whole family was super bummed. We're like, look, guys, look, look. Like, Peacemaker is cool and all, but where's our Ratcatcher 2? Right. And again, I live in a world where I can legitimately say, hey, guys, you fell down on the job because I don't have a Ratcatcher 2 figure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it should have been Ratcatcher that I used to complete my King Shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, but were they Funkos? Uh, I, I think if it's remember. a, I think if it's a build a King Shark, you then have to buy every individual figure, and it comes with a little bit of the King Shark. Uh-huh. So, That's exactly how yeah. it is. It's like one right, but are they Funko? Or... Are they pops? Funko? No, Funko pops. They're okay. not pops. They're action figures. Yeah. Yeah. Because I am currently on Target site looking them up. <laughs> I want, I want King Shark in the Build-A-Bear workshop. His mouth opens. You can open and close his mouth. You can make him like angry face or smiley face. Hungry! Friend! Oh my god. So, uh, <laughs> to keep us somewhat on, on topic, um, let's talk about all the actors they got just to blow them up. Oh, uh, so good! Right? So, so good. many! Pete Davidson... Uh, Michael Rooker, who else was in there? Um, uh, Nathan Fillion. Can we please get Nathan Fillion back? I just want Nathan Fillion to get more work. Right? Uh, they get Jai Courtney to be Captain Boomerang. Right. Yeah. I I can't even pronounce the dude's name that played Javelin. (laughs) But yeah, just having all of these characters and all these actors just to, because... Uh, Sean know, Gunn. Yes. Enough said. Right, because James Gunn's brother. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because it, after the first Suicide Squad movie came out, they were like, "Where well, not enough people died. <laughs> James uh, Gunn's sorry, like, okay. not enough people died in that movie. That is a true, that is a true statement about Suicide Fair. Squad. Yes. Oh, speaking of people dying, the Suicide Squad. Luke, you, uh... You got a kill count for us. I do have a kill count for you, but I'm actually looking up a different version of my oh. kill count right now. Okay. Um, but, but, but we can talk about this because um, I had multiple people tell me I got the kill count wrong because oh, a lot, a lot of true. people 
a lot of people did not stick around to see Peacemaker. Oh. Um, and I am pleased to say that when I walked, so what we did for both Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad was um, we put together a Deadpool. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> And I'm sorry to say that my Deadpool for Suicide Squad was completely off base, which made me quite sad. However, I did call eight named squad members dying before we walked in. And that is how many that actually died in the movie, that that there were eight of them that died. Um, I had actually named them all, but I got one pair wrong, which was Polka Dot Man and Peacemaker. I had predicted that uh, Peacemaker would die in Polka Dot Man, but otherwise I got I got all of them right. Um, but if you want the kill, the rest of the kill count, so eight members of the squad who are named died. Um, other named characters that die, five. Um, I could name them, but I don't want to spoil it. Spoil it for anybody too bad. Well, we, we can spoil, spoil the movie. Okay, cool. We people so, watch the movie. Everybody in that other category includes Luna, Milton, The Thinker, Starro itself, and Ratcatcher 1. Um, yep. Now, when we put together the kill count, like my husband and I went through the movie twice, both keeping our own kill counts and comparing them after each scene, and we took the average. So I would say our plus or minus on this is probably pretty close. It's probably within like four or five. Um, when it comes to the on-screen deaths, and listen to this number because this is amazing. The number we came up with was 178. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is every unnamed character. Okay, that, I was gonna say that falls down from a direct blow that you see on screen. Okay. Oh. So, so it doesn't does it not count the the Starro faced people then? We counted we counted Starro's separately because Starro's were in such a weird bucket, right? Like because the thinker explicitly oh, yeah, that's, that's says, fair. yeah, the thinker explicitly says as soon as the starfish attaches to their head, they're dead. He refers to people in the cages as walking corpses. So right. we actually we didn't count any of those at all, um, but we did count. Everybody who got a starfish attached to their face um, that you could see on screen. That we actually saw okay. them okay. here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. So, so kind of like tracking all of the other deaths, like there has to be a attack that lands and causes somebody to fall down. So we did the same thing with Starro, but we kind of counted his separately. Um, Starro, Starro attachments were at 34, which now, if you count them as kills, our kill count for the movie is above 200. And that's wow. on screen deaths. It's on screen <laughs> <laughs> And I did track most kills by a single character. Which I'm proud to say goes to my girl Harley. Well, <laughs> she did have her own scene of like slaughtering people left and right. Yeah, mass murder, absolute mass murder, and yeah. and Harley by herself as the number one um, number of deaths in the movie. She killed. 50. Wow, that's more than Starro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, actively in the movie. Well, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'd still give her credit where it is due. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, Harley killed more people than Starro. <laughs> so I also want to talk about the villains because we, we, we just said, what a world we live in where we're angry we didn't get a rat catcher action figure and there are multiple incarnations of 
King Shark, but nobody's like, wow, that whole Starro plot line. <laughs> like, <laughs> you use Starro. You use I mean, Starro effectively. <laughs> yes. And weirdly, that's a really like classic portrayal of Starro as villain, right? Like, like, like giant starfish comes along and attaches weird things to everybody's heads and takes them over. I think the weird thing that they did with Starro was make him classic storyline. Yeah, classic storyline right there. Yeah, they made him sympathetic as opposed to an entity that deliberately came to Earth to do the same thing. But like, yeah, and 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 they leaned into Starro a hundred percent. Like you've seen little like Easter eggs about Starro. Like part of the reason why Starro is significant and a lot of people know about Starro is because Starro is the first villain to take on the Justice League as a whole in their current incarnation, right? So Starro right. comes up a lot in comic book history and a lot of comic book nerds know who Starro is. There are nods to Starro, little Easter eggs about it in a bunch of the other DC movies. But here they were like, nope, he's going to be pink and blue. And he's going to be giant. <laughs> right? <laughs> and there's like no like big interpretation on him or not all that many big changes about him. It's just Starro. I'm a giant alien starfish that mind fucks people with tiny versions of myself. Yep. Uh, the other, uh, one of the other villains, uh, the thinker, I just, we are, and this is our, I, this is where we are. As, as people that influenced our viewing of this show, but we are in the middle of Capaldi's run of Doctor <laughs> Who right now. Like, we have not gotten to the Husbands of River song yet. We are, like, at the beginning of the second Capaldi season. Right. Well, yeah, I feel like with Capaldi, like, they were just like, okay, we have this part written, we know what the character is going to be, but now we have to find an actor who can give us this, like, this, like, really, like, overblown monologue that includes, like, science, but also chastising you for the things you've done bad. And it's and like, what, oh, Capaldi, that's who you get for that. And why, <laughs> and, yeah, why not pick an old Scottish punk? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, an old Scottish punk <laughs> rocker. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, just chef kiss. Just that also, casting. Is also, just... I say old euphemistically. <laughs> because um, he is not that much older than I am. He looks a lot older than you are. <laughs> He's a punk. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> lived hard. He lived hard. That's right. Uh, I also think that's not the first thinker, although they didn't least say so. Um, I don't remember in the movie if they said he was DeVoe, but I don't think he was DeVoe. I, I don't remember what name they gave him. I, I do, um, but I remember like when I was looking at uh, the movie like after right after it came out that he's actually not thinker one which makes well, a lot wasn't of sense. wasn't thinker one i mean if if they're counting green lantern in continuity that would be the first thinker right i thought it was devoe on the flash but it just oh. made me happy that they didn't um you didn't have to worry about whether or not it was this thinker or that thinker right right like, right no, they're just different thinkers all right cool well and that's that's what I really enjoy about a well-done comic book movie is you can enjoy it at another level if you're a comic book fan, or you can just surface level it. Yeah. Like, you know, Very much like when we did Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is a good example. I'm finding watching What If. Um, oh, What If is amazing. What If is fantastic uh, coming up later this season, but um, 
I am a, a huge fan of the old What If comics, and there are a lot of nods to how they used to structure things or do things in the old What If comics. I mean, so. having not what having not read the previous comics, like the new series is the shit. Well, the new series is is a lot of the old takes they used to do applied to the MCU, um, which I really really enjoy. Um, also. I, I'm saving it, but just to give a little preview, there was an entire conversation I had with somebody the other day about whether the Watcher in the What If series is Uatu or whether it's not, which probably isn't going to be much to, but we'll get into it. I'm sure so. I'll figure that out later. <laughs> I did just look it up. It is thinker number four who's in the suit. Wow. All right. Okay. Um, so uh, going through it, I'm, I'm, We've had a brilliant time, but uh, like editing this is going to be fun, and I'm going to have to cut it off. So sorry, uh, we've been all over the place. <laughs> no, this is our best shows are all over the place. Jen has already said that she will continue reading. Absolutely, um, Lu- Loopy. Uh, I know you read in general, but uh, did since you hadn't read uh, Bad Blood, does this encourage you to pick up where this left off and, and pick it up again? A hundred percent, but in addition to that, it has made me very interested in author Tom Taylor. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking I'm just going to start looking at maybe some of the other things he's done and picked it up because his style is reminding me a little bit of Scott Snyder, who is like one of my favorites. And, and so I think I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. Okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Very Snyder-esque. I, I would, I would agree with you. Um, uh, Teams, uh, both seem to do teams extremely well uh, in the dynamic of mm-hmm. teams. Um, Bear, are you going to keep reading Suicide Squad comics? So here's the thing. My only downside about this particular Suicide Squad comic, and <clears throat> if I have to base my judgment of whether or not I'm going to keep reading off of this one, I would say no. Just because this one, though it was a great comic this was a great graphic novel it kind of opened up suicide squad brought in a whole mess of new people did just what i imagine suicide squad would do some people are going to die off you're going to bring some new people in but it also was designed to kill suicide squad and then bring in the revolutionaries okay well then let me ask you this i would definitely read some fucking revolutionaries (laughs) revolutionaries okay um Based off of this comic alone, I don't know that I would go out and look for more Suicide Squad. I'll definitely look for more Suicide Squad movies, um, especially if they've got James Gunn running the show. Um, but the Revolutionaries were awesome. Um, I'm in the same boat. Uh, this actually reminds me a lot, and I think Loopy and I may be the only two that pick up on this as old school comics people. This gave me a really big Stormwatch into Authority um, vibes. So Warren Ellis took over a property that was called Stormwatch that was a team comic uh, out of Wildcat years and years ago. And through a storyline that he designed, he changed the team structure, he changed their mission, he changed everything into a whole other group called the Authority. Um, and the authority actually went on to become more popular and, and better known than Stormwatch. But this kind of reminds me of that. It's a it's a book that is meant to be a transition. 
Um, also famously, like Teen Titans became the Outsiders. Like that was another. Like sure. you take that team that is known, but you turn them into another team. But how do you bring people along the way? Well, the last book is the introduction of the new team. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I like that, and I, I absolutely will will check out um, this. This may be one of my favorite uh, things that we've done for DC. Um, but looking at the back cover, uh, by the way, Jen, um, as you mentioned, uh, MB characters and, and all the other things, this actually was uh, nominated for a Glad Media Award, uh, this book. Oh, nice. So Very yeah. nice. Um, pretty awesome. Uh, also, uh, he, the Tom Taylor collaborated with uh, Bruno Redondo and Daniel uh, Semperi, who both did Injustice. So, of course, I enjoyed this. Because uh, it also has a little bit of that injustice humor in a lot of ways, yeah. which is taking, well, in this case, two of the big three and, like, presenting them in ways that are just a little off character for them, but enough that it's just kind of a wink. Um, well, it, it, it puts them, uh, their their appearances in the comic don't, they don't, as big name characters right. they don't they don't take the scene they no. don't steal the scene no they are just part of what's happening there right and it's not like there is a, there is one <laughs> scene where one of them it it looks like they are kind of like oh yeah go ahead you everything's could, happening you could definitely right. tell from reading this whole graphic novel that there was no favoritism shown yeah right yeah right because uh in certain cases and not just in DC, but in all comics where there's like a big character. Like if you're going to have Batman in your comic, here is the Bible that you must adhere to of the things he will and will not do. And in this especially, it seems like that was not That was the not case. the case because <laughs> Batman got his goddamn car stolen. Well, okay. <laughs> and Spoiler alert. All right. Here's here. And just, I'm just going to say this. It, it is part of this scene that Bear just referenced where... Uh, Batman and Deadshot right? are standing on the curb, and, the and Deadshot says, "Should I call a car? Do you want me to call, should a call an Uber? Uber? <laughs> should I call you an Uber?" No, he says first. He's like, "Should I call a car?" And I think it was an aside. And then he turns to Batman and says, "Should I call you an Uber?" And Batman turns to him and says, "Should I call you an ambulance?" And it's like, <laughs> "Dude, okay, enough." <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is a lot of ripping on Batman in this graphic novel, there and is I, I quite genuinely a bit. love it. Yeah, well, it's not just ripping on Batman. I like the end of this comic, and I'm not going to say how, but the end of this comic ends with the entirety of the Justice League being there, and it just feels like such a payoff of the previous ten and a half issues. Yeah, like mm -hmm. the last issue where this team and the Justice League are facing each other. Right. And there is, like, a whole conversation, and there's a whole... It, sh it very much shows the difference. There is a conversation that happens, and the Justice League gets spanked. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At the end. It's all uh, completely right. political and amazing. Yes. Yeah. No, very, very well done. Um, there, There's also the line through it that of, uh, but the Justice criminals. League. The Justice League is just the Suicide Squad in daylight, and it's so true, and it's so good. Yep. Um, 
But yeah. So, uh, Loopy, I'm glad that I've had you on this episode for no other reason than um, this very much made me interested in a lot of DC stuff. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too. I am uh, right now for Rent Conversations, which I record tomorrow. I'm reading and I'm going to teach somebody about Flashpoint. Um, and not knowing a lot about DC, I thought I was just extremely lost until I stopped, did a little research, and found out that Flashpoint just introduces a bunch of people that have never existed before. Yep. <laughs> so now I feel a lot better uh, about what I'm doing. Um, but they're kind of weird takes on people that exist. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is but, a lot of fun, and they're doing a big chunk of that in the Flash movie that oh, good. They're, they're working on, so we're going to see that on the big okay. screen as well, I think so. I've been through Flashpoint in the Flash TV series, which wasn't quite as confusing as this is. Um, but yeah, it's like baby similar. steps into Flashpoint, which like everybody needs. Like you said, you were doing an episode on Flashpoint. I'm like, is there going to be a PowerPoint presentation with like graphics? <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's literally a show where I'm explaining the plot of something, and the person I'm explaining it to at any point can go, "Wait, I have a question." So this might be a two part so, episode. Yeah, I was going to be like, <laughs> what, three hours? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took four hours for me to explain uh, Civil War II to Hollywood. So, okay. wait, wait, wait. So this, this could be can I, eight. Can I sit right. in on the Flashpoint one? Because That's tomorrow at one, man, I, I have the feeling that whoever your guest is might might not be cool with the level of questions I'm going to ask. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Uh, but, Loopy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was fantastic. Uh, thank I you. Did... Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm sure we will have you back again. Uh, there's... Once that Harley movie comes out, yes, uh, please, and I'm sure a bunch of other uh, uh, DC properties and a few Marvel ones, because I know you know we keep in communication. We we nerd out a lot, so like I'm not a hater. I like to like things. Like I'm not out to prove yeah. that DC is better than anything else. I'm just I just want people to know that there are things to love about it. Yeah, so, no, oh, no matter what your brother says. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, our, our, our fun rivalry is definitely fun. But you know, the show you should call me for is if you do Superman and Lois. So. All right. Well, <laughs> I've got it on the list, but that's kind of my gauntlet. Is that's... we've we've so we had to do a very special episode on Batman where we tried right. to tackle things Batman. I think just doing Superman and Lois the first season may be a good digestible Superman like approaching well, Superman. Superman is gonna be weird for this this franchise as opposed to uh Red Conversations where you guys already did the uh, uh where we walked death the of death Superman, of Superman and I would have loved to have been there for that. I wish I could have but yeah, um, Death of Superman is like a WWE wrestling match in comic book form. Like it's 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 not really even worth talking about, other than like it's art and it's panels than, and the characters it's introduced. It was not right. good. So yeah, yeah. Now it's there is literally an orphan that draws a Batman or a Superman symbol on concrete because he figures, well, Batman has a bat signal. Maybe Superman will just see if I deface a parking lot with the <laughs> S. <laughs> And then Superman does, because uh, of course he does. Because he's Superman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, the Superman episode will be interesting because we have to balance like really good, poignant Superman stories 
Uh, I, I happen to think American Aliens one of the best Superman stories, just because I really like how how it's put out. But then you have to balance it with Superman literally saying, "Well, I could go and count every molecule in the atmosphere if you'd like me to." Uh, you can you can a hundred percent tell people, when there's a writer who gets Superman and who doesn't get Superman. Yeah, and that is a rabbit hole I could go down for eight hours. So I'm just going to stop now. <laughs> And then you have people that will say things like, well, if Superman and Hulk got into a fight, Superman's just going to punch the Hulk into the sun. And I'm just like, well, you're stupid for even saying that in the first place. But because if Superman could... try to talk to him right. and help him be less angry, actually. Right. Because if <laughs> Superman could punch anybody into the sun, he wouldn't have died. He would have done it to Doomsday. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right. That's, that's exactly the point. Yes, absolutely. Well, Loopy, again, thank you uh, so much for joining us as I look up what our next show is so that I can pimp it. But is there, is there anything, uh, any, uh, stuff you want to pimp? Stuff you want to, yeah, you want to pimp? What do you, what do you self-promote? What do you plug in? Well, um, not comic book related, Go ahead. Not, but I, the next thing I'm doing this afternoon is working on your jack-o'-lantern. Yay! Um, <laughs> so. We are getting a teal pumpkin with the graphically novel symbol for when we give comics away on Halloween. Yes. I still don't even have my ink yet. Like, yeah. so much other shit been going on. My co-hosts have their ink, and I don't have my graphically novel tattoo yet. <laughs> but so yes, yes. I—it's uh, September when we're recording this, and going. This is so like my busy time because I carve jack o' lanterns, um, and people buy them from me. Uh, so if you want to take a look at some of my work, or maybe order a jack o' lantern, I can do um, synthetic jack o' lanterns that last forever and can be shipped all over the country. Um, my website there is hauntedcarving.com. Fantastic. Yes. And we are supporting her. We, uh, I mean, comparatively to some of the stuff you've done, our, our uh, logo uh, done by the brilliant Meredith Gerber is uh, nothing. I mean, <laughs> it's actually I'm, like, like lettering is actually much, much harder than you think it is. Uh, I okay. happen to be good at lettering, but I actually hate doing it because it is it's one of those things that it takes like 10 times the work that so you, think it does. It's you looked things. at her and you were like, oh, yeah, you're going to do some easy stuff for us. And she was <laughs> like, no, your shit's fucking tough. So actually, the original thing that I sent her was the top to like in the in the arch, say Happy Halloween from and then the graphically novel logo. And she was like, OK, let's talk about the Happy Halloween from a little bit. <laughs> absolutely hated you is what i'm hearing now well and also it would have made less space on the pumpkin it would have just you know i'm like we get we can get everything else as long as we do the logo with graphically novel like on it and so that is that is what we are we are getting um and that will be on full display as we hang out hand out comic books dressed as the adams family as we have that's Every another year. thing we have in common is a serious joy about the Adams family. So. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Justin well. and I's custom text message sound for each other is snap, snap. So. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I do have, I mean, even though I do live, my, my house is more uh, farmhouse Victorian because I'm in the Midwest, but uh, I have jealousy, not jealousy, envy of uh the lovely displays and what you have especially for the approach 
to your house for trick-or-treaters, fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, last year I carved 40 jack-o'-lanterns. They were simple faces, but... No, I remember that. Yeah. That's a lot. No, that, but that <laughs> That's arch, a lot of pumpkins. That's that a lot of pumpkin seeds. is gorgeous, uh, but yeah, they're it's, not it's real. A, it's they're a synthetic. nine foot tall, six foot wide archway of jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. I did a, uh, w- during my LARPing days when I was playing JR, um, I had a, a salon that was in, like, in a rented uh, camp, <laughs> Camp Hitaga. I I, uh, I remember that night I because there were thirteen pumpkins, each with a different clan symbol. <laughs> and and uh, there was a path to get to the the cabin where we were. So I put the pumpkins through the path, and uh, yeah, that was. I remember that taking a week, like to get through thirteen pumpkins. And would so, you get two XP for that? Oh, don't even start. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yes, my Man. amp guard friends came over and said, "Oh, you did all you, of this. You, you got like all the awards. You would have gotten. Yeah, we'd have given oh. you an amp guard for doing this. But you know, like you play vampire LARP. vampire larpers. Well, you got a whole two XP for that. Fuck you guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I held myself back, and we'll see how much of this makes it into the show. But I held myself back from making the comparison of DC rebooting every six to eight years and how One World by Night really needs to reboot." Oh my god, uh, that's another rabbit hole we could have. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I know. That's we why you freaking have short stories about we, me. We could have several episodes <laughs> just on that conversation. Yeah, uh Loopy's character when I was in LARP and when I was playing Zio was on the Malkavian uh Archon squad and she was hit one of his mentors and it was pretty much like getting mentored by Harley Quinn. Yeah. Um, a little bit. <laughs> There's, there was literally a point where she revved up a chainsaw and then hit Voice of Madness on a group of Sabat. But voice, amazing. Voice of Madness amazing. also not necessarily going to save your teammates because they have to make the same save. Well, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make a difference. Mad props, girl. <laughs> the, the chainsaw is there to get everybody to look at me, right? So. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the Malkavian has walked in with a chainsaw. That I draw all the focus. Yeah, that's it. right. Then then I use it. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for looking at me. I didn't even need to bust for awe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Loopy, it was great to have you. Uh, everyone, please tune in in two weeks when we will be doing Bulletproof Monk. Bulletproof Monk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only comic that not only have I not been able to find, I could only find one issue on the entirety of the internet because I was I not saw that. because I was not going to pay reading because I was not going to pay one hundred and twenty dollars for the one graphic novel I could track mm. down. Wow! So uh, yeah. yeah, that's fair. This will be uh, one of the first shows that we ever do in which we're like, is it worth tracking this down? <laughs> it's like, listen, guys, do you really love Bulletproof Monk? Sorry, <laughs> are you rich? Uh, but until then, take it away. Vandello.
but nothing ever stays the same. Do 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 Do, do, do. 